Welcome back in. It is the Bill Michaels Show Wednesday. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Grant Bills in with you. Bill will be back on Monday. Grant and I with you tomorrow and on Friday. Talking a little college football. The outlook for this Wisconsin program. Season to season obviously varies. The goals are all always very similar with winning the West, trying to compete in the Big Ten title, etc. Go on and on from there. But I, a little thought experiment here. We're talking about the blue chip ratio. The article came out today from Bud Elliott, 24-7 Sports. It is up on my Twitter, at Kenny retweeted it. The ratio that you need of four- and five-star recruits on your roster to go win a national title. And Wisconsin clearly has not really been in that realm at all, really, in the last however many years. They've gotten close to making the playoff, though still talent-wise, there were deficiencies there that I don't know if they could have been overcome. I looked at Wisconsin's roster, Grant, top to bottom. First, so I included the 2018 class because of the COVID year. There are a lot of players that could still be on this program given the extra year of eligibility that came from 2020. Since 2018, here are there in order from 2018 up to 2022, the blue chip ratio in each class. 2018, it was one out of 20, and that is a four and five star recruits compared to total recruits signed. One out of 20, it's 5%. 2019, three out of 19, 16%. 2020, they did five out of 20, that's 25%. 2021, their best recruiting class rating-wise ever, 16th in the country. Six out of 23, that is 26%. And then just recently, 2022, one out of 22, that is including transfers, 4%. So roster-wide right now, that's 16 out of the last 104 players signed, 15% blue chip ratio falling, obviously fall short, far short of the 50% benchmark. I guess as a avid follower of college football, this is kind of how I view the general, the, the sport as a fan. I am okay entering every season knowing that these things aren't possible. It doesn't affect how I view Wisconsin when they take the field on Saturday. There are other goals you try to attain. That's what I think makes college sports so great. It's not only about winning a Super Bowl. It's about so much more. So, yeah, I'm okay with this, I I guess. I knew this would, when this came out, I knew where Wisconsin stood, but it is now a talking point of, like, will they ever go and win a national title? I'm confident saying that they probably won't, and I'm okay with that. So I'm with you 100%. When I bring up the Badgers on my show, which isn't as much as, probably Ebo does or you and Bill do. Now my show is also shorter, so it's harder to fit it in sometimes if there's a lot going on with the Packers and the Brewers. But whenever I bring up the Badgers, I I try to have fun conversations about the football and basketball team that aren't centered around winning a national title. And Ben, maybe you can speak to this because I think a lot of shows around the state miss the point. Every Badgers topic is how can they take the next step? How can they get on the same level as Ohio State? And there's steps that the Badgers can take. There's things that I want them to do. But I don't know that every conversation that we have around Badgers football should be, how can we get to Ohio State? It just, that's not going to happen. At least not for a long time, not in the current era. And we need to be able to watch this team and enjoy them and talk about them in, in different ways, right? And I'm glad we're on the same page there. Yes, part of it is, it is the offseason. There has not been a game played since December. So yeah. we're looking for stuff to talk about regarding them. 
I do like those conversations, though, because there are clear answers, I think. It's not just pure hypotheticals. When someone asks, why can't they just go be Ohio State? The answer, number one, is money. The answer, number two, Mm -hmm. is geography. They are geographically challenged in that way, where they do not, they are not able to get in a car. If you go down south, every team down there, every team in Florida, every team in Texas, Georgia, Alabama, even go to California, they can get in their car, drive an hour, and create a full number one overall recruiting class in the country with only those players. Wisconsin cannot do that. So they're fighting uphill battles there. They're fighting an uphill battle given the overall aura of the program. And, I mean, now with NIL, it has widened the gap further of the haves and the have-nots where the rich have gotten insanely rich and the others have stayed where they are. But naturally, the gap has widened. So, yeah, there are clear answers to those questions. I like talking about them more in the sense of, I mean, there's a reason that I love watching them play at Northwestern because that's what college football is. If it was all about a national title, then I would look down upon that game and say it was stupid. But it's not. Yeah. It's meaningful. And for, you know, our Brewers and Packers and Bucks, it's been championship or bust the last couple of years. It's been championship or bust for the Packers for a long time now. It's great having a contending team, but it's been it's kind of exhausting. Like the pressure <laughs> that you feel every Saturday with the Badgers. If if we expected them to win a national title every year, the pressure every Saturday, it's like, well, they better not blow it today or the rest of the season's meaningless, right? And that's kind of a crummy way to watch sports. I, I think the fun part about Badgers football, even if they're not on the same level as some of these Blue Bloods, is you need to carve out your own niche. You carve out your own thing. What is your program known for? What are you good at? What gets your fans really amped up? I think one thing that the Badgers do really, really well is develop, right? They bring in players that aren't those blue chip recruits, and they turn them into something great. And a lot of those guys go on to have long careers and maybe go into the NFL and you're talking about the uh, blue chip ratio for the Badgers, maybe a way to make that ratio better is to attack the transfer portal and find blue chip recruits that didn't work out elsewhere and bring them in. So one difference there is when looking at this, players get assigned a different star rating when they enter the portal compared to when they're coming out of high school. For instance, look at 2022. Wisconsin did a terrific job in the portal this offseason. They rebuilt their secondary with a lot of experience. They had an injury at safety with Travion Blaylock tearing his ACL. They go and find another safety from Utah that has years of eligibility. They get a couple of young guys that can contribute for a while in Keontes Lewis. But like, for instance, Justin Clark, he's the Toledo transfer that came into the program. Out of high school, he was a two-star. He is now rated as a three-star in the transfer portal. So that's where the difference is like Jay Shaw, the guy they got from UCLA, might be their their cornerback one this year. He was a three-star coming out of high school, now a four-star in the portal. So, yes, that is a clear answer to it. They've done a terrific job. It's more about fit than anything in that regard. I think the better way to attack it, the, the better way to see where the effects can be had, I think, is Nick Herbig. He is star outside linebacker for the team, 2020 four-star recruit from Hawaii, He said when he got to Wisconsin, I want to be TJ Watt. When you have a a transcendent player at a position that becomes a star in the NFL, their outside linebacker room in at Wisconsin in the building right now is loaded. Top to bottom, recruiting rankings, talent. They are going to be ridiculous this year, rushing the quarterback and in the years to come, even when Herbig departs. 
And a lot of that, I think you could trace back to the fact that TJ Watt just recently clearly showed that you can go into the program, develop, go to the NFL, and become a star. So it's those kind of things. With running backs, it's always been the case, but JT's tearing it up. Like there's a re- Braylon Allen grew up, he loved Melvin Gordon. Like there, are, there's a reason these things kind of happen with this team. So, and we haven't even talked about offensive line, right? That's a place you go to develop and turn yourself into a pro offensive lineman for sure. We haven't even mentioned that. I, I guess whether the stars line up, and I by stars I mean like recruiting stars, four star, five star. I actually don't know exactly how that works in the portal like you do. But for the Badgers, that's my pitch to recruits, right? It's like, hey, you came out of high school. Everyone loved what you did. You were highly recruited and the fit wasn't great where you went. Come here. You don't have to start over per se, but we can help tap into that potential that wasn't really tapped into at another place. That's a niche that the Badgers can carve carve out. Excuse me. Yeah. And they've kind of done it in the secondary one position where they will need to do it is the elephant in the room. This entire off season is quarterback. Another one of those tired storylines, aside from the can Wisconsin compete for a national title, is can Graham Mertz finally be the guy? And no matter how much I talk about it, it's re- we're only going to see it when they take the field. Sounds like a cop-out thing, but I have no idea if he can. There have been oh, signs. Man, I, can't wait. I don't think he will, but I would love to be proven wrong. But it's that position. I wanted them to go get a guy to compete with him this year. One of the reasons maybe you see this sudden lack of quarterback recruiting in the 2022, 2023, 2024 classes is because Graham Mertz, one, is there and is clearly the starter. And if a guy came in, he would know he'd be behind him. But two, I mean, that's a highly touted guy in a quarterback class that ended up being absolutely horrendous. That has sucked. Like, he, he struggled his career. Can I ask you a question? Uh, this can make me sound really dumb. Okay. Uh, but I'm a college football casual. You said this to me last week. That was a reality check that I needed when we were talking about conference realignment and I shared a take and you're like, yeah, but you're kind of a casual fair. Okay. So with the star system, again, I'm really showing my ignorance here. Are there always X number of five stars, X number of four stars, X number of three stars, or does the ranking system work in a way where this is a down class? we're not going to give anybody a five-star, right? Or is it just relative to the rest of your recruiting class? Can you help me understand that just a little bit? There is always the same number of five-stars. Okay. There are 32 of them because they are the ones projected to go first round of the NFL draft. Four stars. five-star in one class might carry a lot less weight than a five in another, depending on how deep it is and how much talent there is. Definitely. But I will say still all of those five-stars are great. The quarterback position, I think, is tougher than all of the other ones, definitely, to evaluate because so much goes into it. I mean, I'm pulling up, and this is kind of sad that I'm going to read this, but the 2019 quarterback class, Spencer Rattler was a five-star. He was at Oklahoma. He's now at South Carolina. It did not work out for him. If you've seen that reality show he was on in the past, you maybe can understand why. He kind of seems like an ass in the locker the room. The red flags were there. Oh, man. Ryan Halinski was the second quarterback. He was at South Carolina. He is now at Northwestern, actually. I was going to say, that sounds like a Northwestern name right there. He has amounted to almost nothing. Graham Mertz was third. Everyone knows what Graham Mertz's career has been thus far. Dylan Morris was fourth. Never heard of that name. 
which tells you enough. In fact, he didn't really pan out at Washington. Talia Tugavailoa, to his brother, was at Alabama, transferred to Maryland. Actually has been okay. Not watch. Gr- not great by any means. He has that YOLO mentality that ensues chaos no matter what, whether it's them scoring or the other team scoring. And then you go down the list. The sixth guy, never heard of, another four-star. Cade McNamara at Michigan, he's definitely panned out. He's good. Jacob Zeno at Baylor, no clue. Joey Yellen, like none of these guys you really have heard of. You can go all the way down to number 13. Connor Basilak is the next one anyone's heard of. It's because he just transferred to Indiana. Otherwise, I would have not known a single thing. So I don't know about the specific number of four stars, but and in terms of class to class, whether it's different, I can confidently say quarterback-wise it is. Other positions, I think the talent pool is deep enough where it's always kind of clear. I guess, but the quarterback thing's hard because so much, so much is between the ears, so much is preparation, so much is off the field. A lot of it is what your support systems look like on the field, where there are a lot of outliers in every direction at that position. I'm excited to watch Graham Mertz. I have high hopes, and I'm a believer because I, I think I want to believe. It's just more exciting to be optimistic, right? Like I just, I just feel better about being that way. What would we think of Graham Mertz if? he was a known name guy who came in. Like if he wasn't touted as the best quarterback recruit ever. And finally the Badgers are getting their guy. If he was just another name, what would we think of him? Well, I can give you an example of a no ish name guy that then became a very successful quarterback and still didn't really get the respect of everybody. That's Jack Cohn. So that tells you enough. Now imagine that, but the guy struggles with keeping care of the keeping good care of the football. No, I think many would be calling for the, and they already are kind of, calling for the next guy. But the problem with this team is, at least in 2022, there is not a next guy. No one else on that roster is going to play. Brad Davison got some free time now. Uh, Brad Davison, I think, is going to be a Wisconsin basketball coach in the next two years, if anything. (laughs) That would not surprise me. He's going to take over for guard one day, isn't he? Guard's going to retire a month into a season and line it up for for the takeover of Brad Davison. Then he'll go get in fights with Jawan Howard's sons on the sideline instead of Jawan Howard. Oh, how great would that be? Oh, that'd be awesome. That was still one of my most fun days of sports radio. That Monday. Yeah, the day after they beat Michigan. (sighs) What a day. What a bizarre, and that's a bizarre day for national media too, because now all of a sudden, all these national talking heads that don't talk individual college basketball games, unless it's Palo or Jabari Smith, and they're like, uh, Jawan Howard and Greg Gard, and they have to like act like they know who these guys are and what they do. I mean, they, of course, know who they are, but it's always funny when the national media is forced to focus in on more of a niche topic because something big happens. That's always entertaining. That and was a very fun day. all of those idiot Michigan homers really show their true colors in times like that, finding every spin yeah. zone they can to say that Jawan Howard was his, his progress to the locker room was impeded. Why did he call oh, a timeout? Friend. Grow oh, up. I got ratioed into oblivion by all of Michigan. I said, uh, I, I tweeted out after that game, I, I wanted to enjoy my Sunday. I played mini golf with my friends. It was awesome. But we're on the first tee, I guess you would call it for mini golf. And I tweeted out because all of this stupid stuff was being shared online, trying to defend the guy. I just said yeah. the mental gymnastics being done by some to defend Juwan Howard is pretty ridiculous in this setting. And I got ratioed into oblivion by all of Michigan saying that I'm just a blind homer 
that I'm sticking up for a, a short white guy. It, it, it went every different direction you can imagine, not really understanding the fact that Juwan Howard got his players into a brawl as a head yeah. coach and the leader of the team. I remember my take the day after that. I loved that take um, and the conversations that we had the next day. M- mine was about how Greg Gard was sick of being disrespected. Like, he didn't want Jawan Howard to big-time him and walk past him. He said, no, I'm a better coach than you. My team's better. Just because you're a big-name Jawan Howard, you don't get to treat me this way. And maybe Greg Gard didn't have to do that. Like, sure, he could have downplayed it, and maybe the whole thing would have been avoided. But I think that was well within his right to not let himself be walked all over. I still stand by that. 877-867-1670. Oh, I have a terrific tweet from St. Paul Schmidt. Just tweeted us a picture oh. of Target Field at Brewers Twins as the game is maybe it has gotten underway. Uh, yep. Bottom of the first, the Brewers did not score in the top half. He said, any last encouraging words for Ashby you want me to yell, go crew. The only thing I can notice in his picture is how beautiful the skyline looks mm-hmm. with the entire sky being shown because there's no roof. St. Paul Schmidt is one of these listeners that I've had for a while but recently moved so he used to be Schmidt on the north side of lacrosse. And then he rebranded everything and let me know. He's like, yep, I'm St. Paul Schmidt now. Okay, yeah, I'll update my contact info, Schmidt. Uh, we had Cone Roller who moved to Phoenix. So I, I like to keep up with the geography of where my listeners are are going. Uh, but I, I Schmidt was at the game last night. And I said, hey, if you go today, tweet us an update. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm responding right now. I'm quote tweeting him. I said, wow, the full skyline looks beautiful without half of a retracted roof. And there it is. Do you want to chime in more? Uh, do you want to talk about how beautiful the Minnesota sky looks today without the roof there? You can. 877-867-1670. Any Wisconsin Badger thoughts? Should they actually get over some proverbial hump if you want to get into the, the theoretical parts of it uh, and talk their recruiting and their talent level? You could do that too. We'll talk more about it. We'll give you an update on the Brewers game coming up next. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills with you today. Beautiful day across the great state of Wisconsin. Brewers in action, bottom one as we speak. Aaron Ashby on the bump, one on and one out. That game really just getting underway in the bottom of the first, getting great tweets of what the sky looks like in Minnesota without a retractable roof. You want to get more into that conversation, we can. 877-867-1670. Grant, there also is some other Brewers chatter we were going to hit today. First is with the All-Star game. And we'll get to that coming up a little bit. But with Josh Hader, it was announced by the team or by MLB. I forget. But he will not participate in the All-Star game. Instead, take the time off to be with his newborn child, which, great. I I think, also, it's probably good that he's going to get some rest. He's given up more runs in the last five, six innings than he had in quite a long time. So, maybe that rest will do him well. As we mentioned, Corbin Burns... Not starting twice this week. He will most likely start or pitch early in the All-Star game. I would have liked him to pitch twice, but whatever. Not the biggest deal. I understand the importance of the All-Star game. 
There was also this. I am a big fan of MLB Central, the morning show on MLB Network with Mark DeRosa, Lauren Shahadi, Rob Roflo. I don't really know his full name. I just know Roflo. You have uh, you've converted me, by the way. That's what I turn on in the morning now if I turn the TV on. Not up, which used to be my go-to. I'd have it on mute. I just like seeing the topics. Yeah. But now I'm all in on MLB Network in the morning. Oh, uh, it's so entertaining. Mark DeRosa's hilarious. The way he breaks it down is very He's funny and interesting. It, it's kind of fun to listen to him go through stuff. He throws baseball jargon in there, makes you feel like you're part of the locker room. So he's great. But they were talking this morning about big moves that could be made in the NL Central because it's a two-team race. It's the Cardinals. It's the Brewers. It's nobody else. He was talking about big moves the teams could make. And he started with a long spiel about Paul Goldschmidt and how the Cardinals, maybe they go out, out of the box idea, go big ticket guy, get Shane Bieber from the Cleveland Guardians, ace on the mound. That would be dangerous then going forward with him and, and Jack Flaherty at the top of that rotation. So that's the Cardinals side of it. And here's what he had to say about the Brewers. Take a listen. Okay, so when I look at Milwaukee, you have the Woodruffs who have come and gone with the IL. Freddie Peralta, but Corbin Burns has been the constant. But you look at their offense, especially last night. How are they going to score consistent runs? I love Willie Adamas. Pauses. He's got 18 bombs heading into the break. This is their lineup last night. It reminds me of 2010 with the San Francisco Giants sitting on the bench watching these guys struggle to score three runs, putting huge pressure on themselves to bail out a pitching staff that was throwing stressful inning after stressful inning. So I say, if you're going to jump, jump it. Who would be somebody that could come in and really change this entire lineup and just assimilate himself in there, into that clubhouse? He'd be perfect. He'd hit perfect in that Miller Park, run it. I know it's pie in Yikes. the sky, people, but if you've locked in on the White Sox, if you locked in, they're flat. It doesn't look right. Things could potentially happen. He's a free agent at the end of the year. You could put Telez in the DH spot. Give me Jose Abreu, kind of like that CC Sabathia came for them in 2007 to They're save their They're five games back in the division. I know. I'm thinking outside the box. Do you want me to say Andrew Benatendi? <laughs> Everyone's interested. <laughs> the Yankees are interested. I think it, it it's a, it's an interesting division, right? Well, 49 oh. wins is the, is the most. Well, how are you going to go deep into the postseason? The Braves, Mets, and Dodgers are bears. Bears. And I feel like sometimes we look at the division leaders in the National League and we talk and we go, oh, and Milwaukee. Because we don't truly believe they can run the table. Ouch. I mean, first of all, love the techno in the background. There's Mark DeRosa, yeah. MLB Central this morning, MLB Network. Uh, great show. I love following how he talks about baseball. Good techno music in the background there to give a good visual to maybe what the highlights were that were playing on their television show. The comments at the end, I mean, that's exactly what we talked about yesterday. When you look across the NL, and this is for the casuals, if you will, casual baseball fans, or any baseball fan outside of this state, they look at the Mets. They, As Mark DeRosa said, the Mets are a bear. The Dodgers, absolute bear. Even Atlanta, you could throw them up there uh, with the Mets. And then you look at the rest of the leaders, you're like, oh, and the Brewers. That, I feel like that's the attitude that most people have. I think it's a, I don't really think that was an over-the-top 
critique. I think that's a fair point. I think it perfectly explains where we're all at. Now, I rationalize this as a Brewers fan by making it a good thing. We're going to sneak up on the rest of the league. We're the snake in the grass because no one's talking about us, which I actually believe to a certain degree, but they need to add because they don't have enough talent. I like the Abreu idea. If I were the White Sox, I would just get a new manager and well, not sell off anyone. Personally, that's what I do, but I seems as though they're not going to do that. Yeah, try not to hire an old guy that has 15 DUIs and clearly is doesn't have the best decision-making process at this point. Not great. He's not great. Never really been a fan of his, especially now. So that that's a start. That is a team that has drastically underperformed. But for all the people, and I've heard from a lot of them, that call in and all, all they want to talk about is batting average, for everyone who wants to say, we need someone who can actually get hits and raise the team's average and get on base, Jose Abreu does that. He's hitting 297. The biggest number to note here, in the COVID-shortened season of 2020, he won American League Most Valuable Player. 60 games, 262 plate appearances, 59 strikeouts. Pretty much one strikeout a game. In today's day and age of baseball, very impressive. How about this, Grant? This year, 2022, Jose Abreu has played in 85 games, 372 plate appearances. 58 strikeouts. That is 25 games more, 110 more plate appearances than his MVP year in 2020 and one fewer strikeout. You want to talk about a guy that can shorten up with two outs, that can do everything everyone is pining for in a lineup? That is exactly what he does. And then you also throw in he's a prolific power hitter and wildly consistent. So on a micro level, I love all those stats. You're exactly right. It's not just about the batting average. He does all of the little things that lead to productive at bats and can be productive driving in runs, getting hits, not just hitting slap singles and, and hitting 300, which is important. I still like batting average, but it's not as important as a lot of people want to make it out to be. On the micro, I love all those things. On the macro, Ben, I am going to risk making myself sound basic. Again, I'm not as basic as I am with college football. I can't get Freddie Freeman out of my head from last fall. I can't stop thinking about him. That team had a true blue chip MVP, not a guy who got hot and played like an MVP for a couple of weeks, a blue chip bona fide MVP. And I love the idea of adding a Bray who has that DNA of being the guy, even if it hasn't been for his whole career, but in, in seasons here and there, I love that. And maybe that's basic because I'm chasing the way that Freddie Freeman made me feel. And I can't get that out of my head, but I love the idea of bringing in, a guy who's a former MVP. Well, what's crazy is, I'm with you there, he is 35 years old. He's not young. But since he entered the league in 2014, he has been nothing but wildly consistent. Mm-hmm. He, rookie of the year 2014, he hit 317, OPS 964. 2015, he hits 290. 2016, he hit 293. 2017, he hits 304. A little bit down in 2018, only 265, but that's still better than every Brewer this year. 2019, 284, 834 OPS. He wins MVP in the COVID-shortened 2020 season, 317 with an OPS of 987. Last year, he hits 261, and this year back to 297. He is one of the most consistent contact and power guys the league has. A lot of his power, he is big-time gap power, and that's kind of a cliche thrown around, but he hits a crap ton of doubles. And I think if there's one thing this team needs a little more, the Brewers get a lot of walks. They get a lot of home runs. You don't really see that gap-to-gap double power 
necessarily very often. So yeah, it's going to take a lot. I don't know if the White Sox would sell. It fits every bill. There's something to me about getting a guy to hit third every day. The Brewers had it with Yelich. Maybe getting a first mm-hmm. baseman to hit third. I don't know. Maybe it's watching Ryan Howard for a while and he hit fourth, but same thing applies. You look oh, at Anthony yeah. Anthony Rizzo on the Cubs. You look at Freddie Freeman on the Dodgers. So many of these teams that have gone and done the thing as time has gone on, they have that MVP caliber third hitting or fourth hitting first baseman that's consistent every single day. That's what he would bring. It wouldn't have taken a crazy nutty offensive performance for the Brewers to beat the Braves in the playoffs last year. No. They just needed to not suck. And Abreu coming in, and and if I can bet on him not going one for 21 over the course of a three-game series, that's honestly huge. I can't count on that for a lot of bats in this lineup. Give me one or two guys I know aren't going to do that. That's huge. There's also, I think, something to be said about giving a jolt to the locker room. And it's not that this team is dead by any means. They're winning. They're playing good baseball. They go through bad stretches, but they're winning. But giving that jolt of sending the message that we just traded, and I'll use this name because he's been brought up constantly. We just traded Jackson Churio for Jose Abreu. Look at that. Mm -hmm. We have nothing in the farm system. We're going all in. Here's a guy to hit third every single day and be a beast. We could put Telez in DH. We could do a little platoon given matchups. But here is that guy. He's coming into the locker room. Everyone else looks around and says, oh, this is our time. I think there's something to be said for sending that message. I just hope that Abreu's available. Again, and I said this yesterday, never underestimate how cheap some of these owners are. And the White Sox are really good, and I think they're underperforming because their manager is a big reason. And I wouldn't be surprised if Reinsdorf says, "Eh, let's just be sellers this year. We'll try again next year. Despite that being really stupid. They shouldn't do that, but don't underestimate how cheap some of these owners are. Reinsdorf is definitely one of them. I'm with you. I think bringing in a guy who hits 295 might seem, oh, that's nice. You know, stick him in the lineup. That's good. But the effect of bringing in someone new, the effect of front office showing aggression, it can be bigger than one player's individual stats. 877-867-1670. If the trade was proposed, would you part ways with top prospect and or two to get a Jose Abreu on this Brewers team? We're going to step away, take a quick break, give you an update about where the Brewers stand in Minnesota right now. Talk a little bit about the All-Star weekend coming up as well. Get back into this. Also, big-time trade prospects. It's that time of year where we're fawning over guys. We're finding someone that we think will fit. Abreu's one of them, brought up by Mark DeRosa. I love it. I'm all in. We'll talk about it coming up more. It's Ben Kenny, Grant Bills, and for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, welcome back in. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills with you on this Wednesday. The Brewers, as we speak, bottom two. Ashby on the bump, two out. 0-0 the score, not much offense happening. You look around the league, the Mets up 4-0 on Atlanta. Seattle up 5-1 on Washington. Uh, Grant, joining us for a segment here in studio in Madison is the one and only, the great Zach Heilprin. Zach, hello. Hello. So, a lot of talk about roofs today. Roofs? Uh, Roofs. 
Yeah. I have heard rough a couple times. This is one of those days you really hear someone's real person come out. Yeah, it's it, it's funny you mention that. It always reminds me of a reporter was talking with Paul Christ, and he was talking about this guy at wide receiver and how he ran his uh, roots. roots. <laughs> and Was he, he from he, New Zealand? He's nice, from Wisconsin. And he asked the question, and Paul Christ at the end, like he gets done with the question, and Paul Christ goes, Roots? <laughs> routes, you mean? Routes? And the reporter's like, yeah, routes. Routes, that's what I meant. Uh, but when Paul Chris calls you out for, yeah, that's good. <laughs> for, for pronouncing something incorrectly, um, it, it, it sticks with you. For the construction of the sentence. Roots. So, obviously, three rain delays in last night's Brewers win. Ugh. It did not. The game did not go on as planned. It started. It stopped. Rocco Baldelli wanted another rain delay. They give another. It started again. It stopped. They finally win six to three. Your perspective on this situation is different than ours. It is uh, because you guys don't really care. You can just turn the game off, go to home, and, and go to sleep, right? Like it doesn't matter for you. I would never. That's actually what I did last night. I know it's what you did, <laughs> and I saw people complain about that. I just want to go to sleep. I just want to go sleep. Well, I I just want to go to sleep, but I have to wait until Craig Council gets done talking. And when Craig Council gets done talking, I take what Craig Council does, cut it up, and then set it out for people to use in the morning. So you can't go to bed until that happens. For the fa- I, I am a fan of roofs for that reason and only that reason. That and it also guarantees you when you make uh, – this is a long time ago, but we used to go make, take brewer trips every single year, bus trips mm-hmm. from, from Madison. It guaranteed that you were going to see a game. You, County Stadium, there was no guarantee. There was a guarantee you were going to see a game. It wasn't going to mess up your event. It's totally worthwhile. Who cares if you can't see the interstate uh, in the background <laughs> of of Miller Park, even though you kind of can. Like, there's there's no – if it was downtown, maybe it would be different. But even then, it's like, who cares? It's a – you're guaranteed to play, especially in a climate where it's cold in April and in, in, in large stretches of May, and it rains a lot. Why would you not want to have a roof? I think all of your points I cannot argue with. I agree, especially with the view being of 90, what's ever, 94? 94. 94, that's what I thought. I don't want to get it wrong. I-94. That'd be embarrassing. I I like how everyone has a different perspective on this. Zach, you strike me as a big function over fashion guy, and your roof take (laughs) reflects that. And I love that. That's why I love this. Uh, that's why I love this conversation. Function over fashion. Zach just gave yeah. you Zach just gave you an eye roll almost as big as when I started unveiling takes before Kenny and Hyoprint started. Yeah. Why? Zach Zach is a practical guy. I, I might be a little less practical. I, Zach is a businessman. No, I just I understand the idea of, of a view, but like the view gets old. It's the same view every single day. Like who cares? It's you get Oh, sweet. A, a home run was up there with the with the skyline. Who cares? Do you like looking at the stars, Zach? Not every night. I've seen once you've seen the stars, you've seen the stars, man. You don't need to look at them. You don't need there's there's no new stars out there that you're seeing every night. You haven't downloaded the app on your phone. I think it's Sky Tracer or Sky View where it can show you uh night sky that can show you where all the constellations are. I do not. Because they don't really change, but they are always entertaining. I think we talked about this last week. We did uh, with my, Aaron Rodgers' tattoo. My, the extent of my uh, uh, ability with stars and constellations is finding the little dipper and the big dipper. And like, I do that. Like, if I'm walking out, the, if I'm taking the dog out for a walk and I'm looking up, I'm like, all right, there it is. All right, great, awesome. Grant, can you tell Zach exactly what you tweeted me as we had that segment? 
which segment's that? The one about Roger's tattoo and about the signs and all of the, the Gemini, Aquarius, Sagittarius, all that crap. Oh, what did I tweet you? Oh, oh, oh. I said that Zach sounds like a total Sagittarius because he did. <laughs> I don't know what that even means. You're the only one, Grant, that would. Well, Sagittarius are brutally honest, <laughs> straightforward. And Zach, you are that to a T. I don't know when your birthday is, but. It's not. I'm not. A, uh, the only reason I know this is because. Uh, uh, I'm sure. The only reason I know this is because I, I'm a Gemini. So I, I know that. Okay. Like everyone knows their astrological sign. Like you, it's almost impossible. It's almost yeah. impossible not to, right? Correct. But yeah. if I read, do I read those? Absolutely not. So um, I'm glad that I'm pigeonholed as something I'm not. Yeah. Just okay, by grant. the only reason I said that, I looked up the most straightforward sign. I don't know that much about astrology. I just looked up. <laughs> yeah, sure. Very honest, straightforward sign, and had to you, make the joke. You texted me five seconds after the segment yeah. started. I think you knew it off the top of your head. That's neither here nor there. All right, Zach, thanks for joining us and yeah. give it, enlightening us with your perspective. Big roof guy. Big roof guy. Big roof guy. Keep the roofs. All right, Ben Kenny Grant bills in for Bill Michaels. The Twins just took the lead over the Milwaukee Brewers. A two-out walk to Ryan Jeffers from Aaron Ashby was followed by a hit-by-pitch and an RBI single. Just like that, one nothing Twins. We'll talk more about that. Get into more when we come back. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, welcome back. It is the Bill Michaels Show. I am Ben Kenny. He is Grant Bills. Thanks to Zach Heilprin for joining us. Always a breath of warm, bright, fresh air, I would say. Uh, his perspective on roofs, I'm sure, is shared by those who also cover the teams and have a lot of their sleep schedule and lives built around whether the games will actually be played and when they end. So I do not mean to minimize his perspective when we talk about the pros and cons of a beautiful outdoor stadium, of which today... Minnesota looks like it is. It is. Zach is a businessman first and foremost. He is. He was looking dapper today. A little button down. Some sort of meeting. Minnesota, Milwaukee right now. one nothing Minnesota. Top of the third. Jace Peterson up to bat. Uh, uh, and as we speak, the game is tied. I should have played the breaking news sounder. Jace Peterson. Staying hot, Grant. You called it out yesterday. He's been playing terrific baseball. He just goes deep against Joe Ryan to tie the game. He is now hitting, it's up to 255 on the season. I mean, that's still a pretty much pacing the Brewers team with those numbers, but impressive stuff. I was about to say how little the team had done offensively. The first inning was one, two, three. The second inning was one, two, three with two strikeouts. And then bang, Jace Peterson. When are we going to talk about moving him up in the lineup, Grant? Put him in the three hole. Well, the first two innings stunk because all of the at-bats stunk. Everyone gets up there. They're down 0-2. Those aren't productive at-bats. So leave it to Jace Peterson to get up there, actually put together a half-decent at-bat. And look, he's rewarded with a home run. It's funny how that works. Yeah, I don't know how many. Maybe it's just how I'm blinded with looking at Yelich hit leadoff and think he's just a better player. I feel like his at-bats are always good, but then the contact just kind of sucks. 
Yes. It's a lot of slapping singles. I think I think his success in the leadoff role is a lot to do with just moving him, right? So his skill set is better utilized. But I do think he took a step up once he got into the leadoff spot. It's not like he's been the same player all year. He did get better. There was an improvement. No doubt. Uh, Jace Peterson, as I mentioned, he, he entered today hitting 251 OPS around 755. That has just gone up with today's home run, obviously. His average now sitting at 255 on the season. OPS rising as well. I, I could hear an argument at this point. Let's say Yelich is out and Colton Wong needs to hit leadoff for some reason. I think we could near a point where Jace Peterson at leadoff in spell of Yelich makes sense. Hmm. Well, you need Jace's power. You hate, you hate to waste his power in the leadoff spot like what we're seeing right now. I love Jace Peterson. He's a super valuable member of the lineup wherever you want to put him. I'm okay with him down at eight or nine. It's almost like you have a second leadoff hitter. I've always been a fan of that too. That's why I liked hitting the pitcher eighth once upon a time. It's a different look, something to shake it up. You don't like that? It was interesting. Yeah. If you look at a lot of the thought process behind it, it was largely stupid. Yes. Because you're taking at bats. You're giving more at bats to pitchers you can't hit and you're taking it at bat away from a guy who hits ninth that is a better hitter. And yes, you get Albert Pujols to hit first or hit in the first inning at the three spot. Then he's your quote unquote cleanup hitter going forward. But just the general idea of giving pitchers more at bats, I was kind of against, but I never really was. Giving pitchers at bats at all once upon a time seems stupid, right? I do like it if every team does it. I think there's a lot of strategy that goes in. Plus, I think there is really something there with the pitchers that can make an impact with their bat. Like you put yeah, Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, you put Matt Brandon Woodruff freaking hit a home run in the NLCS, mm-hmm. right? Oh, one of the coolest moments of my sports life was that home run. I couldn't believe that. And the pitchers that are terrific bunters, that adds a little bit of an allure. You say, okay, he's good on the mound, but also he's going to get three at-bats every five days. He will be productive yeah. in those spots. I was a fan of that. The DH, though, I do like. Part of it is, let's say, a certain player. Not going to name names here. Tore their UCL, couldn't throw all season, still was hitting like an MVP. If there was no DH, he would have been on the bench all season. Instead, he has been very productive until he may or may not have broken his hand. Again, not naming names. Could be anybody out there. But the DH has been very beneficial to teams dealing with a situation like that. 877-867-1670. So coming up next, a little bit of all-star game chatter. Uh, a little bit on should Corbin Burns have pitched before this game coming up. Josh Hader's taking the game off. I like it. Uh, I'm fine with it. Give him some rest. Was Devin Williams snubbed? Get into that coming up. Brings up a larger discussion that has to do with why teams get auto bids and why some players get auto bids because their team sucks and they have nobody else. But that is coming up next. Also, some Bucks news and some NBA chatter. The NBA Board of Governors has an idea. I don't like it, but an idea is an idea. We're going to talk about it. Chris Middleton, there's news there. There's news with Pat Connaughton. We'll touch on all that coming up next in the final hour of the show. It's also open championship time. And for those that aren't golf nuts, I'm sorry. Indulge me for a second. I am wildly excited for this weekend. Probably the most excited I've ever been as a golf fan for a golf tournament because of the context 
I'm going to talk about it. Hear Tiger Woods, what he has to say. A lot more coming up. Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Stay right there. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.